0: Grace and peace in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all And welcome to worship with Morrisville Presbyterian Church Whether you are a long-time member or a first-time visitor It is a joy to worship with all of you this day I want to share one announcement with you this morning We will be having a congregational meeting next Sunday January 31st at 1130 a.m over Zoom to approve 2021 pastoral terms of call and review the upcoming church budget. A Zoom link will be sent to you by email, but if you would like to participate by phone, please contact the church office. Friends, on this holy day, we turn to what we trust. We turn to our God, our rock, our Redeemer, So let us do so now and worship God together.
1: Please turn to your bulletin and join me in our responsive call to worship. Let us worship and sing praises to God. For God alone our soul waits in silence. Our hope is from God. God alone is our rock and our salvation. Trust in God at all times, O people. Come, let us worship God together.
2: My friends, the proof of God's amazing love is this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Trusting in God's faithfulness and compassion, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Please join me in our prayer of confession as it's printed in your bulletin. O God, you bring healing to our lives and comfort to our hearts. Forgive us, O Lord when we contribute to the things that break your heart. You would have us share our gifts with the world, but we keep our resources close and our minds closed. You would have us live in faithful community, but we isolate ourselves and I, our neighbors, with mistrust. You would have us see all people as our siblings, but we try to separate ourselves from anyone whose existence challenges our comfort. Forgive us, O God, by your grace, and free us to be agents of your healing. Beloved of God, the God who challenges us is also the God who encourages us. The God who confronts us is also the God who accepts us. Be assured that God is with us even now, accepting, guiding, and forgiving. Together, let us proclaim this good news. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Alleluia. Amen. (music) Thank <music> you.
1: something with me this morning. They're small, but I have this entire cup full of rocks. That's right. Rocks. Did you know that there are people who study rocks and they can look at a rock and tell you all sorts of things about it? What it's called, what it's made from, what it can be used for, where it's from. In our Bible story today, that Pastor Rachel's going to read in just a few minutes, the psalmist writes, God alone is my rock. What? What does that mean? God is a rock? That's crazy. That sounds crazy. What does that mean, God alone is my rock? Well, let's think about it. It might be a good description. Rocks are everywhere. And God is everywhere. Rocks can be really, really old. And God is timeless. Rocks are strong. Even these little ones, I can't break. Rocks are strong and God is powerful. Rocks come in all shapes and sizes and colors, and God loves everyone and created everyone. Rocks are useful. They can be used to build things, to manufacture things, to make jewelry, to make houses. Rocks are useful, and God makes everything work. And these rocks here, they're pretty small, but I bet you've seen bigger rocks. I bet you've seen whole cliffs of rock, and they're pretty good to stand on. They're pretty firm. They're a good foundation. They're not going to break. Wow. Maybe rocks are a good description of God. God alone is my rock everywhere, all the time, strong I can stand in God's presence. I can lean on God. God's not going to break. And did I mention that rocks are everywhere? Just look around. I bet if you go outside today, you can find some rocks. When you see them, remember that we are grounded in God. When you see the rocks everywhere, you can remember that God is everywhere with you. Will you pray with me? Repeat after me. Dear God, God. you are my rock. Thank you for your strength, for your love, and for being with me everywhere. Amen. Thanks, young friends. Don't forget to look for the rocks this week.
2: Friends, as we prepare our hearts to hear God's holy word, let us pray. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Melt us, mold us, fill us and use us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Amen. Friends, I invite you to join me today in our responsive scripture reading as it's found in your bulletin from Psalm 62, beginning with the fifth verse. Together, let us listen for the word of God. For God alone my soul waits in silence, for my hope is from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my deliverance and my honor. My mighty rock and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts before him. God is a refuge for us. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are delusion. In the balance they go up. They are together lighter than a breath. Put no confidence in extortion and set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, do not set your heart on them. Once God has spoken... Twice have I heard this that power belongs to God, and steadfast love belongs to you, O Lord, for you repay all according to their work. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: I would like to introduce you to my friend, the psalmist. The psalmist is a normal person, not that much different from me and you. Except for the fact that the psalmist is an ancient Judean priest and poet, you would not find too many differences between us. They get up early in the morning just like you. They hate their commute to work just like you. I would imagine their brain is filled with all the things they have to do, just like you. That might be why, on their way to work, from the bottom of the city of David to the top of the Mount of Zion, the psalmist did not notice a beginning of a crowd gathering around the temple. But by the time the psalmist was in the sanctuary, there was nothing else on their mind except the mob, That surrounds their doors and windows. The context for our scripture passage today is crisis. The lines that immediately precede the verses we just read this morning tell us that the psalmist is surrounded. Perpetrators have gathered to batter the psalmist like a leaning wall or a tottering fence. A group of people who take pleasure in falsehood look to bring down a person of prominence like they were a shaky fortress to be destroyed. There has been an insurrection, an occupation, a siege of the temple. And what does the psalmist do in this moment? The psalmist teaches. The psalmist's lesson is simple, really. They do not wheel out a chalkboard to scribble their notes, or stand behind a lectern to give a lecture. Instead, the psalmist metaphorically points us in the direction of a scale. Think one of those classic scales you may have used in science class. The silver hunk of metal with a solid base, two pans to weigh things in, and a contraption that connects it all together. Using their words, the psalmist essentially walks over to the scale and starts to put items on it. Items that we put our trust in. For instance, the psalmist places our job on the scale and the weight of the pan begins to sink a little. Next, they place money on the scale and again, the pan sinks a little more. Then our car and our house, the things we like to buy, and the pan sinks to register their significance. Finally, the psalmist adds to the heap of our trusted possessions all the weight and might of our government, political leaders, and our country's economy. BAM! The pan hits the bottom of the floor. Then, The psalmist takes a feather and places it gently on the pan opposite the mass of stuff we put our trust in. And the scale begins to rise slowly until the feather registers the same weight of all our earthly possessions and powerful desires. The psalmist turns to us and says aloud, Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up. They are together lighter than a breath. In other words, without God, none of this matters. Without our trust in God, these materials lose their weight. Without the values of God, we lose our meaning. It has not escaped me that the context and lesson of this psalm are strikingly similar to our current situation and national conversation. And while the inauguration on Wednesday marked a turning of the page in our country's chapter, The psalmist being surrounded by a mob is eerily similar to the chaos we were worried about this week and that we witnessed when the U.S. Capitol building was stormed on January 6th. There's going to be a tendency to want to run away from these last couple of weeks and even these last couple of years like they never happened. But forgetting and forgiving are not the same thing. Neither are forgetting and reconciling. Neither are forgetting and justice. Instead, our psalm today pumps the brakes on our wanting to move ahead and instead begs the question that is at the center of the storming of the U.S. Capitol building and at the center of the rhetoric and untruth that fueled it. And that is the question that Christian Americans have been asking ourselves for the last five years, the last couple of decades, and the last four centuries. Are we a people who value the equality of all human life, or the pursuit of individual gain at the detriment of others? For we come from a heritage of Christian Americans who declare that all men are created equal while enslaving, segregating, and oppressing a full caste of our society because of the color of their skin. We come from a heritage of Christian Americans who exported our values of justice to the globe at a time when we erased the native population we live beside. We come from a heritage of Christian Americans who fought for the abolition of slavery, for the women's right to vote, for civil rights, and for welcoming the immigrant. Yet, just two weeks ago, we saw flags of Jesus 2020 next to Confederate flags, Nazi symbols, guns, and bombs. Since our inception, Christian Americans have plagued ourselves with these dueling values, loving our neighbor as ourselves, and individual gain at the detriment of others. Two weeks ago, when the Capitol was stormed and occupied, when people were killed, When dehumanizing symbols were worn proudly, we caught a glimpse of that question that rules our faithful actions as Christian Americans. We could no longer keep these words and questions in the basement of our collective heart, but instead they were displayed right before our eyes. Are we a people who value the equality of all human life, or the pursuit of individual gain, at the detriment of others? Or as the psalmist would ask, do we put our trust in God or in human greed and idolatry? Now these are hard questions, and there is a reason why we do not dwell on Christianity's relationship to slavery, Native American history, and our current problems with domestic terrorism. We would much rather have these questions kept and locked away in the basement of our hearts. But when we turn to the psalmist, we find that we do not need to stay within the ruins of our human-made sanctuaries of status quo. We do not need to run away from the root causes of our current national crisis. Instead, we can rebuild. We can rebuild ourselves, our church, our society, or as Jesus would say, our kingdom. We can rebuild to make sure that our answer to the question that plagues us will always be that we value the equality of all human life over individual gain at the detriment of others. And we start that rebuild with our trust in God. Teaching is not the only thing that the psalmist does in our text for today. In verses 5 and 6, we see the psalmist is also a builder. We have already said that the psalmist is surrounded on all sides. There is a group of people outside the walls and the doors of the sanctuary trying to get in. If there was ever a moment for urgency, this would be one. Yet the psalmist's first words show us a scene of a patient person kneeling in prayer. For God alone, my soul waits in silence, the psalmist says, finding that quiet confidence of the heart when we find ourselves one with God. Having been centered, the psalmist notices the outside walls are starting to lean and the structures are crumbling. But while these stones are coming crashing down, the psalmist has a new supply of brick and mortar already at hand. God alone is my rock and salvation, the psalmist declares. So while the old fortress is falling, the psalmist is already laying down the layers of honest confession and vulnerable openness and just action on the foundation of God's steadfast love. In a moment when everything is in jeopardy, the psalmist's job, the psalmist's livelihood, the psalmist's physical well-being even, the psalmist does not cling to quick fixes, apathetic action, or the appeasing of evil. Instead, the psalmist has started to rebuild using the tools and values and trust of God. God is my fortress. I shall not be shaken. The beauty of this psalm is that even in the midst of crisis, When the psalmist's world is crumbling down around them, the psalmist's trust in God is all the courage, all the wisdom, all the hope that is needed to identify what is wrong and to rebuild what is right. It is the work of God to rebuild the kingdom on earth. In his sermon titled Our God is Able, Dr Martin Luther King Jr remembers a time when the world was caving in around him. In the middle of the night, after he had received a threatening phone call, Dr King stumbled to his kitchen table, put his hands in, put his head in his hands and prayed to God saying, "I am here, Taking a stand for what I believe is right, but now I am afraid. The people are looking to me for leadership, and if I stand before them without strength and courage, they too will falter. I am at the end of my powers. I have nothing left. I've come to the point where I can't face it alone. At that moment, Dr. King recalls feeling a quiet assurance of an inner voice and God telling him to stand up for righteousness, stand up for truth. God will be at your side forever, Dr. King remembers God saying. Three days after this event, this manifestation Three days after this event, the manifestation of everything Dr. King was distraught about happened. His house was bombed. Yet afterwards, he, took, he said he took that news calmly. He wrote, My experience with God had given me a new strength and trust. I knew now, that God is able to give us the interior resources to face the storms and problems ahead. Friends, if Dr. Martin Luther King had a dream, I would imagine these last couple of weeks would have been George Washington's nightmare. But every day, multiple times a day we have the opportunity to live into a dream or live into a nightmare. Dr. King told us that while we have all we need to face the problems ahead, the psalmist has shown us how to rebuild even in the midst of crisis. That if we put our trust in God, in God's values, we can acknowledge and finally answer that question that has been haunting Christian Americans from the beginning. We can declare this day and for days to come that we are a people who value the equality of all human life instead of personal gain at the detriment of others. That our actions are guided by our trust in God instead of human greed and idolatry. That we will work to build the kingdom of God on earth, no matter where we are or what we are going through. Let it be so, amen.
1: Friends, please turn to your bulletin. And join me as we affirm our faith through the words of a brief statement of faith, a confession of the Presbyterian Church USA. Together, let us state what we believe. We trust in God, who Jesus called Abba, Father. In sovereign love, God created the world good and makes everyone equally in God's image of every gender race and people, to live as one community. But we rebel against God. We hide from our Creator. Ignoring God's commandments, we violate the image of God in others and ourselves, accept lies as truth, exploit neighbor and nature, and threaten death to the planet entrusted to our care. We deserve God's condemnation, yet God acts with justice and mercy to redeem creation. In everlasting love, the God of Abraham and Sarah chose a covenant people to bless all families of the earth. Hearing their cry, God delivered the children of Israel from the house of bondage, loving us still, God makes us heirs with Christ of the Covenant, like a mother who will not forsake her nursing child, like a father who runs to welcome the prodigal home. God is faithful still. Beloved of God, for the next few minutes, let us sit in God's presence as we reflect on the words of the hymn printed in your bulletin, as a response to the word read and proclaimed this day. This time of sitting and reflecting is an opportunity for us to be connected by God's presence in all the many places where we are worshiping today. Let us open our hearts and minds to the gift of God's presence.
2: My friends, let us pray. Creator God, no matter where we are, no matter where we are going or what we are doing, we know that we find our help in you. You are the creator and sustainer of all that has been made and all that will be made. And yet the immensity of creation does not distract you from caring personally for every person in it. We know that it is true of your care for us too. You do not daydream or become weary in that care. We thank you that you not only watch over us with diligence, but that you guide us so that we will not fall, we will not even stumble. You are a God who surrounds us when we feel surrounded. You are a God who protects us whether we are awake or asleep. You are a God who is there. Sheltering and protecting us from all that could harm us. We know that you watch over all our living. You have in the past. You do it now and your promise holds that you will do it for the future and for all eternity. And we praise you and thank you, O God for your love. You have said through the mouth of the prophet in days gone by, seek the good of the city and pray for it to the Lord. We therefore pray to you today, O God, for our cities, for our community, and for our whole land, for justice and righteousness, for peace and safety everywhere. We pray especially this day, O God, for our country, Remembering the words of Abraham Lincoln when he said, The question is not whether God is on our side, but whether we are on the side of God. With that in mind, we pray especially this day for those who took office this past week. For President Biden and Vice President Harris and others who join them in leadership. Teach them that you are the ruler of all, O God and that they are only your instruments. Grant them wisdom for difficult decisions, a sharp eye for what is essential, and courage to obey your commandment at every turn. We pray for all those who are responsible for justice and peace. We pray that you would empower us to be your ambassadors of love and justice and peace in every corner of this world. We pray for all who continue to seek salvation in violence. Remind terrorists, show terrorists that no blessing rests in violence. Take the young among them especially into your care. Bring order and love into confused thoughts. We pray for all who feel they cannot sleep in peace at night because they fear for their lives or for the lives of those near and dear to them. We pray for all those who no longer have hope in your kingdom, for all who are tormented by illness or anxiety, by despair or grief that creeps in in days we expected and in days we don't. Grant that they may be blessed, O oh God, with faithful friends with support, with counselors alongside them to comfort them with your strengthening gospel and sacrament. Lord, you have the whole world in your hands. You are able to turn human hearts as seems best to you. Grant your grace, therefore, to the bonds of peace and love and in all lands join together what has been torn asunder. We pray especially this day, O God, for the needs we know in our family of faith. Hear us as we lift them in silence or aloud to you. May you hear every word spoken, every name unspoken. Hear us as we lift them to you. Gracious God, open our eyes that we may see the needs of others. Open our ears that we may hear their cries. Open our hearts that they need not be without help. Let us not be afraid to defend the weak because of the anger of the strong, nor afraid to defend the poor because of the anger of the rich. Show us where love and hope are needed, and use us to bring them to those places. Open our eyes and ears that this day we may do some work of peace for you. And hear us now as we join our voices with the confidence of the children of God, praying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done
0: Friends, we do not need to run away from our current time or the troubles that may lie ahead. Instead, let us trust in our God and work together so that all may know the safety and love of our God's kingdom. And as we go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you, be with those you love, be with those whom you're called to love, this day and forevermore. Amen.